0: Uh, by way of disclosure I have nothing to disclose Uh, the learning objectives will be describe the history and regulation of hemp in the United States now of course I'm going to also be talking about marijuana which is separate from hemp but the two have been intertwined for quite some time discuss the current legal and regulatory status of hemp and CBD at the federal and state levels I will tell you in advance it's a continuing source of controversy and uh, discuss the potential of potential future of hemp in the treatment of pain, of significant importance here to our audience. Now, the first question that comes to mind, I think, is where am I in this situation? Well, I'm in the middle of the road. I've been a moderate in most everything that I do, but unfortunately, when when you take a position in the middle of the road, that doubles the chance that you're going to be run over. So cannabis is a controversial topic, and while I conduct research on controversial topics, I do not want to be the source of that controversy. So I should set out some preliminary remarks here and to say that I am neither for or against marijuana. And just like I'm neither for or against opioids. Actually, my work is instead motivated by a desire to reduce unnecessary suffering. I am trained as both a social scientist and attorney and I have worked as a police officer defense attorney, prosecutor, and federal investigator for the DEA. I have never consumed marijuana in any form, although many of my colleagues wish I would. (laughs) So with that being said, I will proceed with my presentation. Now, when we talk about uh, hemp and marijuana, they are like cousins, or maybe the good witch and the bad witch, or like Cain and abel. They are actually separate plants. They have similarities, certainly at some times of the growth cycle, and certainly they come from the same genus, uh, which is Cannabis Sativa L. But is a continuing source of controversy, but they are distinct, and they are treated differently under the law. Now, accessing information regarding cannabis, whether it be hemp or marijuana, has been and will continue to be extremely difficult. I've gone to some websites that were... Uh, recognized uh, sources of information, and they would use the term cannabis instead of what they were really talking about, which was marijuana. And I reached out to them, and I said, well, actually, the cannabis that you're talking about is marijuana because there's a separate form of cannabis, which is hemp. And she told me, well, the reason why we do that is so to keep ourselves out of trouble with the federal government so a lot of times the information out there is not only inaccurate but at times they're trying to hide the ball because of the forbidden nature of marijuana at least at the federal level so sometimes the information that you see out there on the web uh, can be inaccurate and sometimes it is intentionally inaccurate but when we talk about cannabis really it's both hemp and marijuana they're two separate plants of course the terms are often used interchangeably Oh, but in reality, they are distinct. Now, I, uh, in, during the course of my research, I, have, uh, I attended the uh, a Marijuana Trade Show um, in uh, Las Vegas, I think it was about a year ago. It was hosted at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is basically an entire football field. And there are, I witnessed a variety of, it's. it's almost like pain week, but on a much broader scale and um, there was uh, manufacturers, there were extraction companies, there were processors, processors, there were uh, marijuana and hemp companies, and it was a surreal experience. And having been with the Drug Enforcement Administration years ago, and I, I looked around and I said, you know, this stuff has got to be illegal. But in actuality, um, in some gray areas it is not, but it, it was a quite a fascinating experience. Now, when we're talking about cannabis, we're actually talking about several, over 100 cannabinoids um, that it consists of. Now, two of the most popular cannabinoids are, of course, in both hemp and marijuana. One is THC, and the other is CBD. You hear an awful lot about that. How many many of you have received uh, questions from any of your patients about CBD? Very, very common, yes. And so, um, interestingly, is that for decades, uh, back in the 1980s when people were consuming marijuana is that they were largely smoking it and it was such a poor quality. The THC level was about one percent. People were smoking essentially twigs and seeds and branches and leaves. But in reality nowadays is that people still, of course, smoke marijuana as a way of administering the substance. But when we're dealing with both THC and CBD, it is oftentimes now extracted from the plant as opposed to actually having to smoke it. That's certainly the case with CBD. Now the extraction process is uh, not an easy process. In fact, it can be done in a variety of ways, whether it be by steam, whether it be um, by alcohol, or even by uh, butane. Um, In fact, that's why some of these clandestine Uh, labs in uh, grandma's basement have blown up because they've been engaging in an extraction process that's quite explosive. Now, when we talk about the distinctions between marijuana and uh, hemp is actually that they are different in appearance at certain times of the growth cycle, particularly towards the end. Now, when we're dealing with marijuana, they're grown for largely the, the female plant. Um, the female plant that is uh, not fertilized is ultimately will secrete resin. And, and so much of the value of marijuana is in the resin itself, of course, specifically in the bud. So um, oftentimes these, uh, these types of plants will be very uh, bud-focused and centric, um, as opposed to the appearance of hemp. Hemp, of course, um, is, can grow quite tall, as we see from the height of this man. Um, Clearly, in in this type of growth cycle, it is quite distinct from the hemp, uh, excuse me, from the marijuana plant. Of course, when you're dealing with hemp, it has suffered from this idea of guilt by association, so it continues to be a source of controversy. Now, when we're dealing with hemp, it has actually over 25,000 uses and still counting. For example, seed can be used not only for human consumption, but for planting more hemp. We can extract oil from the seed of the hemp plant, and fiber uh, can create paper. Actually, decades ago, um, and actually, well, centuries ago at the founding of our nation, hemp was used for paper products. Uh, There's another benefit, certainly, if hemp is in remediating the soil. It can actually have the purpose of cleaning up what was once toxic uh, soil. Now of course what of significance importance to our audience here is this idea of the, of the derivatives from hemp and certainly um, it has particular interest in medical use uh, treatment of pain and other neurological disorders so um, hemp has an enormous amount of potential uh, the jury is still out of course much like it is with marijuana and I'll tell you about reasons why that is Um, but uh, there is certainly um, some positive uh, outcomes from the most recent legalization of hemp. Now, of course, when we're talking about hemp, it has, uh, and its history is, I've said that it's had over 25,000 uses. Well, there's been another good use of uh, hemp, and that is in its prohibition. Uh, You know, Anslinger, back in, uh, after we stopped prohibiting alcohol, um, Anslinger, Um, had to look for something else to prohibit. So um, that uh, became, of course, marijuana. And hemp became lumped in with marijuana, uh, and so that they were essentially both illegal. Now, of course, you could pay a marijuana uh, tax, but the difficulty associated with that is that you'd essentially self-incriminate yourself because you would tell the government that you have marijuana and you want to pay a tax for it. So uh, that, that became so. Essentially, it became prohibited along with marijuana. And of course, during World War II, certain supply chains were were cut off, and there was a necessity of needing that fiber. And so, through executive order, FDR issued an executive order which permitted uh, the uh, controlled growing of hemp in the United States. So there was a bit of a reprieve for the plant uh, back during World War II. And in fact. There was a uh, Hemp for Victory. You can actually find that video on Google. Uh, interestingly, the um, Department of Agriculture denied that they ever made it. And um, then they were shown the Google uh, location URL, and they said, oh, yeah, now we remember. <laughs> so, yes, this is the government. Okay, so, so what happened was is that this idea of the, the marijuana tax uh, became a problem, and this United States Supreme Court invalidated it. So back, so that was in 1969, and so hemp ultimately um, became uh, included in a new law that prohibited it, and that was the Controlled Substances Act of 1970. Um, o- over the course of time, however, uh, some of the restrictions regarding hemp started to become a little bit relaxed, recognizing that you know this crop has been a historical crop in our founding, has ha- has so many purposes, could actually help agriculture. And so uh, they started exploring in 2014 a university partnership. Uh, Congress permitted under extreme restricted conditions that universities could engage in research involving the growing of hemp. But the, the restrictions were so difficult um, that it was really difficult for anybody to essentially um, plant hemp, even if you wanted to partner with the university. In fact, in Nebraska, um, during the, after the Farm Bill of 2014 was passed, they, one half acre of hemp was grown in the entire state. So essentially you had to have university employees, university land, university shovels, uh, university gasoline. I mean, it was so restrictive, um, it was essentially prohibited. However, but then things started to change, um, recognizing um, that so many other countries uh, throughout the world were benefiting from the growth of hemp And so the Farm Bill of 2018 was passed. And essentially what that did is it removed hemp from the Controlled Substances Act. So hemp had been essentially illegal for almost a century. And never in my lifetime did I think that I would actually see this. And so um, it was quite a historic event in December of 2018. Of course, the question is, is that can we really erase all of that tainted history? regarding hemp because of its association with marijuana? And of course that answer would be no. So now that hemp is legal, how do we distinguish it from marijuana? That is certainly um, a particular challenge because at certain times of the growth cycle, they look identical. Then they're both from the same genus. Well, of course, everything in our life comes in threes, right? We have the uh, Three Stooges. We have Goldilocks and the Three Bears. And so the way that we distinguish hemp from marijuana is another three, it's specifically 0.3%. That's the THC concentration. So the way to tell the difference between hemp and marijuana is the THC. If it has a THC, if hemp has THC over 0.3%, it's no longer considered marijuana. I mean, excuse me, it's no longer considered hemp, it becomes marijuana. So, kind of like Goldilocks, too hot, too cold, or just right? Well, it better be below, it better be at or below 0.3%. In the Farm Bill, it specifically states the term hemp means the plant Cannabis Sativa L, and any part of that plant, including the seeds and all derivatives. There used to be a distinction between where these derivatives, what plant it was coming from, extracts, cannabinoids whether growing or not, with a THC concentration of not more than 0.3% on a dry weight basis. Now, interestingly, and I'll give you a little bit of a heads up here, in Europe, the level is a 0.2%. And uh, there's actually some clever reasons for that. Um, one reason uh, has been circulated is that France is very supportive of the 0.2% because their particular cultivars are at 0.2%, whereas others, other cultivars make it more difficult because of that THC concentration. So the question then becomes here at, uh, let's say, uh, 7.15 in the morning on Vegas, is where did this 0.3% THC originate? This is just another interesting discovery. Well, I'll tell you this, it was arbitrary. Yes, flip a coin, that's pretty much it. Um, This is from a botanist back in 1976. Uh, It will be noted that we arbitrarily adopt a concentration of 0.3% in young, vigorous leaves of relatively mature plants as a guide to discriminating two classes of plants. Now, a few remarks about this is that these two guys were botanists, and I think uh, Cronquist passed away, but Dr. Small is still with us and still publishing out there. And in the context of botany, that's understandable because this particular plant, uh, cannabis, has been altered throughout time by man for so many different reasons, for so many different regions. So I can recognize the importance of, as far as botany is concerned, is about how do we tell the difference between hemp and and marijuana, particularly because of all of this radical growth um, over the centuries. So they came up with this, but they, they, they said, yeah, well, we arbitrarily uh, we choose this level. Well, to define arbitrary, of course, we know that it's based on random choice or personal whim rather than any reason or system. So that, of course, raises concern. So then the question becomes, well, if Small and Cronquist figured out through an arbitrary measure that the difference between the two plants... Um, Where did Congress get this idea? We know where Small and Cronquist did in the context of botany, but where did Congress get the idea to put .3% THC in their legislation? They have no idea. (laughs) I called both sponsors of the 2018 Farm Bill. One of them did not return my calls or emails. That happens. But the other one uh, was um, in a southern state I will uh, say that, and um, those people were very helpful, and those people admitted we don't know either. So this is this actually is a way that policy diffuses across the United States. It's like they're passing something around. Oh, this looks good to me, and they never even question it. So essentially, they they xerox it, uh, and it becomes policy throughout the land. So this is this is this is what we pay our tax dollars for to create legislation where no one knows the origination of the things that they come up with. This is, of course, a concern because this is no longer this idea that it is in the context of botany, because somehow if a hemp plant <clears throat> exceeds 0.3%, it will go through a biolegal metamorphosis. Suddenly, it started out as hemp, and within moments, it becomes marijuana right in front of our eyes, or at least to the tester. And why that's important is is that under the law, if it is tested, your crop that you're growing is tested and it's above 0.3% THC, it is destroyed. So all of the good that that plant can do for remediation and all the other 25,000 uses, well, it's above 0.3% THC. Now the concern here is of course is that that THC level can fluctuate for a variety of conditions, environmental conditions, has to do with humidity, the, uh, its location, et cetera. So uh, it's water content. So this is an area certainly of controversy. And so it is quite scary that a farmer's entire crop can be destroyed if it's at, um, at 0.4%. This certainly has happened recently, not only in Colorado, but in Hawaii. Now, Now, since hemp has been removed, uh, from the CSA, uh, the Controlled Substances Act, that means that the DEA is no longer technically involved. So if they are not involved, what other government agency is involved? So who is on first? Well, say hello to the, U- uh, to the new boss. It's the uh, Department of Agriculture, the United States Department of Agriculture. No longer the DEA, but now it's the USDA. So just one more letter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know much of a difference. So um, so what, what happens is that states, individual states, uh, pursuant to the Farm Bill, now sm- submit their regulatory framework to the USDA for its approval. And um, at, in, or, and then the states are essentially left to their own um, to ensure compliance, such as particularly as it relates to the THC concentration. Now, if USDA is on first, like Abbott and Costello, who's on second? That of course would be the FDA. The FDA is, continues to be involved in this issue and I'll tell you more about that in a moment. And I'll tell you this, that I don't know is on third because this is essentially what regulators are facing is a tidal wave. They have, uh, and I'll reiterate this in a moment, but part of the problem was is that hemp had been prohibited for almost a century and that just carries with it trouble and um, a lot of complication and um, it's unfortunately this hemp plant um, otherwise innocent plant um, the good witch you know all of a sudden got tainted by the other plant and so that taint is not going to go away anywhere time soon and it's kind of like it's created this mass confusion which could have been eliminated because the reason why that this uh, this problem stems is because of its prohibition for almost a century so, the, so f- when the government says, hey, we, you know, we're struggling with this, well, you know, there was a way out. You could have actually used maybe science or something <laughs> else to inform your opinion or your decisions. I don't know, maybe that's just me. So that's a significant problem. And it has resulted result in significant confusion by regulators, by uh, healthcare providers, by consumers in a variety of, it, it is quite a mess. And, and one of the problems is, is that when people say, well, is CBD effective? Or could, is mer- medical marijuana effective, et cetera, and all this? Well, one of the problems with it is, is that, I will say this, that I think it's probably safe to say that it has potential. But one of the restrictions um, to achieving its potential is the fact that it's, it has marijuana, for example, has remained in Schedule One, And it is so restrictive to be able to study and it's frustrating because even though I work for the Drug Enforcement Administration is, is I can also be critical of them. Is the, the, it's, I have had many a times the DEA would say to me, well, the reason why we cannot put marijuana out of schedule, we can't take marijuana out of schedule one is because it hasn't been studied enough. Well, the reason why it hasn't been studied enough is because it's been in schedule one. And uh, they said, well, you know, you, you do have access to the, the skunkweed at Mississippi, you know, and so the government actually does grow marijuana. It's of poor quality, of course, but, so anyway, the, the point is, is that all of these plants certainly have positive potential therapeutic benefit, um, and, um, but we, we really wanna be able to study it more, and it create there's a certain catch-22 which exists for that. I will say this, that a recent publication of the National Academies of Science they published The Health Effects of Cannabis and Cannabinoids, the Current State of Evidence and Recommendations for Research. This is certainly available online and for free. They quoted, a oh, One challenge was the possibility of high-quality data available to effectively address the topics of the study. They also recognized one panel member said, Just because evidence, absence, of ev- absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because we don't have it exist doesn't mean it exists. They also stated that we were quite selective and stringent in reviewing only the highest quality clinical trials, which are limited, and restricted our grading of evidence by using the careful criteria that the committee agreed upon. This coupled with the significant barriers that exist to conducting clinical trials of the potential therapeutic benefit of the plant material leave us with a handful of strong conclusions on therapeutic benefits of cannabis. You know, it's it, 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 there's such this... Um, cloud hanging over the cannabis plan. You know, it's, I'm almost scared to sh- to somehow share a peer-reviewed article that that might somehow be illegal about it. So, uh, a few of the conclusions, conclusions that they came up with. It's always a work in progress, of course. In adults with chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, oral cannabinoids are effective antiemetics. In adults with chronic pain, patients who are treated with cannabis or cannabinoids are more likely to experience a clinically significant reduction in pain symptoms. Um, However, of course, the challenge associated with these positive findings is is that we have restricted research, as the Academy noted, Um, but then you take that restricted research and you have direct democracy, which is how people have been able to legalize marijuana in individual states, um, such as in Colorado uh, and in Vegas, uh, that has presented you as healthcare practitioners with clinical challenges, is how can, can you really recommend, well, I'd like to know more. Well, we don't know more because of these restrictions, and so it's kind of a catch-22. So these, of course, are significant, and, they're, uh, and because we've prohibited the substance, and we've essentially prohibited the study of the substance uh, for almost a century, uh, we've ended up with a situation in which the cart is before the horse. So what is the FDA's first response after, this, um, after the floodgates were opened in 2018 uh, when the farm bill was passed? Uh, they, of course, were a little bit worried uh, because they were scrambling. Uh, and uh, their first press release about uh, just after it occurred, they said uh, FDA expressed concern that the number of drug claims being made about these products not approved by the FDA that claim to contain CBD or other cannabis-derived compounds. Among other things, the FDA requires a cannabis product, hemp derived or otherwise, that is marketed with a claim of therapeutic benefit or with any other disease claim to be approved by the FDA for its intended use before it may be introduced in interstate commerce. I recognize here is, is that they've not, they said there's an awful lot of claims being made out there and they're essentially violating the law. And recognize that a lot of times these products, there certainly have been some recent studies, a lot of these products that people are buying that claim to have CBD, you know, don't have CBD in them. And they certainly don't have the CBD in them at the concentration that they indicate. It, it reminds me of, uh, of a scene from Barney Miller, you know, this is a decades ago, in which Abe Vigoda you know, as a detective, I, I think you remember, is that he would eat these brownies that Ho- Wojciechowicz brought to the office. And it turned out that those brownies had marijuana in them. And Abe Vigoda, who was about 55, 60, said, my gosh, the only time I felt great in my life, it turns out to be illegal. So you really, you really don't know what's going on in these particular products. So um, the FDA went on to say, additionally, it's unlawful under the FD&C, that's the Federal Food Drug and Cosmetic Act, to introduce food containing added CBD or THC in interstate commerce, or to market CBD or TH products as or in dietary supplements, regardless of whether the substances are hemp-derived. Again, there used to be a distinction about where is it derived from this particular product. This is because both CBD and THC are active ingredients in FDA-approved drugs, the few that exist, and were the subject of substantial clinical investigations before they were marked as food, marketed as food or dietary supplements. So FDA is essentially sending out a warning here. So, after the FDA made that press release, what was the result? Well, the insanity continues. More restaurants and facilities nationwide report they can't sell CBD anymore. So all that stuff that was on the shelf was now starting to be subject to seizure. In the past week, enforcement letters and product seizures spread to new jurisdictions throughout the United States. A response to December's comments from the U.S. FDA said that CBD can't be put in foods or nutritional supplements until the molecule gets an updated review. So... We thought we solved one problem with the Farm Bill in December 2018, and now we created another one. So, in fact, we resulted in people being arrested for hemp. Even though the Farm Bill's guarantee says that no state or Indian tribe shall prohibit the transportation of shipment of hemp or hemp products, tell that to four guys who recently got arrested. Four men working for a hemp transportation company were charged with drug crimes for allegedly carrying some 18,000 pounds of Kentucky cannabis destined for a CBD manufacturer in Colorado. And the guy said, hey, we told the cops, we're hauling hemp, and here's our paperwork from Kentucky. It was all there, certified by the state. So again, insanity. And of course, an Oregon truck driver was arrested in Boise, Idaho for carrying 6,700 pounds of cannabis from Oregon to a processing facility in Colorado. Well, yes, that's part of it. Well, the thing is, when you cross a straight line, that creates federal jurisdiction. But the problem is, is the Farm Bill essentially said you should not interfere with that interstate commerce. So the fact that they were coming into the state, and, and in actuality, it's a little bit more complex. And in that particular, no state actually has had its hemp framework approved yet from the USDA. The USDA says we will publish rules soon. And um, so in in actuality, one could say that it was technically a violation, but really they're being charged with this idea of, of marijuana was the concern, because not being able to distinguish between the two. So what did Congress do? Oh, they've got to be able to solve this problem, I'm sure. Yes, you know, I, the thing is, is that before I became a political scientist, I, th- I thought that Congress was a bunch of children with office space. Now I can prove it scientifically. <laughs> so um, what Congress did is they said that states need immediate leadership on CBD and foods, uh, drugs and cosmetics. And 12 members of Congress have asked the head of the FDA that we want updated guidance by Friday. You know, Congress does not work quickly, but apparently they want the agencies to work quickly. So we want it by Friday. So two weeks later, the FDA commissioner resigns. (laughs) I think that was a good move on his part. Um, now, but the FDA is now listening. Um, and this, and, and uh, they published in June 19, tw- uh, 2019, that we are wanting to hear from you. In fact, I'll just read this briefly from a, a press release from uh, the FDA website. You have noticed that CD seems to be almost available everywhere and marketed as a variety of products, and uh, cosmetics, dietary supplements, drugs, and et cetera. However, there are many unanswered questions about the science, safety, and quality of products containing CBD. Now, I, although I make light of the confusion that government uh, does, which is quite amusing, is that there are certainly health concerns that the FDA is concerned about when it regards to CBD. I mean, there is some literature out there that shows about uh, potential toxicity as it relates to liver. Um, but the also thing is, is that they're concerned about is, is that what people are consuming, even if CBD is found to be safe, for example, is that's not necessarily what's in the actual product. And so they're worried about the particular labeling as well. And now FDA has also op- has an open comment, opened an open comment period through July 16th of 2019. Of course, that has come and gone, but they've got thousands of responses and they are analyzing that and they hope to get that, those results from that open comment period about CBD, et cetera, um, this fall. So now the question is, is that since I alluded earlier about these hemp arrests, is that which is uh, worse, confusing law or confused regulators? Well, a little bit of both because in December 14th of 2018, the uh, Nebraska police agency purchased a CBD oil product for $35 and uh, the owner placed the item in the bag for the customer and subsequently the mother and son were promptly arrested. Um, I, I, I question um, the motivation. But nevertheless, uh, a month later, the county prosecutor filed paperwork to dismiss the charges. A month later. So th- these people had um, these criminal charges over their head for a month. And uh, Nebraska, the, according to the prosecutor, he said the Nebraska legislature needs to clarify the law. The statute is poorly worded. It's out of date. And the legislature needs to change it. Well here's a radical idea if the law is vague, do not enforce it. How does that sound uh, but sometimes common sense doesn't isn't necessarily so common so what about the future of uh, the future of hemp and pain treatment? well again, I want to be able to quote from the FDA here in a moment uh, they have uh, on their website uh, they they have some Q and A s that I wanted to read to you briefly is one question was has the FDA approved any medical uh, products that were derived from CBD, and they said yes, just one, and that was Epidiolex. And interestingly, it's in the treatment of child uh, epilepsy. Interestingly, is that although uh, we're talking about hemp, this creates its own um, fascination. Is that my understanding is that with that particular product, it is actually that CBD is derived from a marijuana plant, not from a hemp plant. Um, both are, of course, stem from the cannabis sativa L. Uh, and in fact, both marijuana—I uh, mean, marijuana has both hemp. Uh, excuse me. Marijuana has both CBD and THC. And traditionally, um, the CBD has had a moderating effect as it relates uh, to marijuana. And uh, recent efforts to increase the THC level in marijuana has oftentimes been at the expense of CBD. Um, and has resulted uh, a variety of its own issues. And number two, is it legal to sell CBD products? And their response is, it depends. <laughs> Thank you. It depends, among other, th- on, among other things, on the intended use of the product and how it is labeled, because FDA is very concerned about labeling. Even if it meets the definition of hemp, it must still comply with other laws, including the FD&C, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Can CBD products be sold as dietary supplements? No. Both THC and CBD products are excluded from the dietary supplement definition under Section 201 of the FD&C Act. So you see all these stores that are selling this and saying it's going to be a cure for cancer, it's, it's illegal. Is it legal in interstate commerce to sell a food, including any animal food or feed, to which CBD has been added? No, under Section 301 of the FD&C Act. However, ingredients that have been derived from cannabis that do not contain CBD might fall outside the scope of Section 301. For example, hemp seed ingredients can be easily marketed in food. So um, this is a very complex area that uh, needs um, a resolution. So um, when we talk about, I alluded earlier about this idea of the interplay between hemp and uh, THC and CBD is that we recognize that legally the difference between hemp and marijuana is only 0.3%. And really an area, a great area of research that I'd like to pursue. I'm in the process of building a nonprofit trying to focus on how we can alleviate human suffering by uh, ensuring access and preventing abuse and one of this one of the areas of interest is is that uh, an evaluation of actually of this 0.3% to see if it, if it has uh, abuse potential or not, and whether it should be raised higher than that, um, or whether it presents any problems. Um, but what about the difference between the two? Uh, we both know that they both originate from the cannabis sativa L. Um, hemp is legal, but the CBD confusion remains. And we recognize that. Well, if we have an interplay between CBD and THC in the marijuana plant, what about an interplay between THC and CBD in the cannabis plant, uh, in the hemp plant? So that that's its own area of research. What we also don't know, because of the of the the problems associated um, with with this particular drug, is how do we dose it? How do we create dosing? Is is it's not at the same stage as, for example, as we would have with opioids? Um, What about label accuracy? These are other concerns uh, that have been raised And then what about testing? Uh, There's a variety of ways to test Uh, States throughout the United States have established some testing mechanisms But there's a lack of universality Um, And what are you testing for? And are you you testing for uh, toxic uh, substances that exist in the plant? Are you testing for THC? When are you testing for it? How are you testing for it? Uh, there's an awful lot of areas that need to be reformed. Now, of course, when we're dealing about hemp and its in the treatment of pain, it's all about the derivatives. And certainly, probably no one's going to be um, smoking hemp. I, I think that um, because of its low THC concentration, I th- one one party said that you'd probably get <laughs> you'd probably get higher smoking a potato than you would an entire crop of hemp. Um, so what you need to do, of course, is derive the chemicals from those particular plants to achieve what you need. Uh, FDA will remain active unless Congress says otherwise because even though FDA has been delegated this responsibility to enforce the FD&C Act, and so Congress can change that. And, you know, <laughs> Congress, is, Congress started this problem. They need to fix it. And, uh, of course, we also need to fix Congress. But that's a whole other story. Uh, we do have a lot of anecdotal data out there um, about the benefits of uh, CBD, uh, but at the same time, I'm questioning, uh, we also recognize the benefits of the placebo, as could the fact that people who are consuming what they believe to be a CBD product and having positive outcomes, could this also be a CBD effect, uh, placebo effect? So that would be interesting to examine as well. And of course, we are getting new studies uh, in the US in the future. We, we can see that on the horizon now that a significant barrier to research has been achieved uh, by removing um, hemp from the Controlled Substances Act. So you see, uh, hemp has had a shady past, but it has had quite uh, a bright future. Thank you very much. Now certainly, uh, we have uh, We've we only got a few more minutes left. This is a brand new area. So if you have any questions or any comments, they're certainly welcome. Yes? Um, I have a comment and then a question. Did you attend the stakeholder conference in May, the stakeholder conference? No, I did not. So that was one, to say a least. Okay. and I'm glad I it out, and I'm um, everybody to One of the last stakeholders i presented was a company used to CBD tampons. I can't make that up, I you know like CBD tampons. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, follow up on that. Is that although I did not attend, that it's a great point because they did uh, do a transcript of of that entire hearing, and that is available. And it's um, I think 683 pages. Um, so, but I am I've I've read some of it, uh, but there is a transcript available, so those who did not attend can see that see that as well. I, I don't know um the thing is is that uh, it's it's actually it's at this stage of i mean if it's going to be 0.3 percent or below it's uh it's only going to go uh, up from there as far as not as the thc concentration but the the value of it is that um th- it's a threshold so what happens af- if it's if it's 0.3 percent or below it's then going to be extracted And where it goes from there is kind of a moot point because it it met that 0.3% threshold. Is that along the lines you're thinking? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a mess. I mean, you, you even have that situation and now with school policy. Uh, what about if a child is on a THC product, you know, or a, this creates um, a variety of challenges, you know? Does it matter if the CBD is derived from hemp or from marijuana? Well, there, there, there was that. The thing is, is there was that initial distinction, is that it mattered as far as did it come from hemp or did it come from marijuana? And how they would figure that out was, of course, its own challenge. And there was a, um, there was a Ninth Circuit opinion, I think it was, with the Drug Enforcement Administration. And essentially, they, they tried to vitiate all CBD products as a result. This is historical. This is about three or four years ago. And, um, but the Ninth Circuit, uh, the court came back to say that uh, the DEA had too broadly interpreted that particular provision, and they were essentially amounting to making law, and that was invalidated. But it still remains a gray area. Um, So that would be the safest response that I would have. Now the other thing is for those folks that might be interested in saying, this is the new gold rush. Well, in a variety of ways it is, but realize is that because marijuana is still illegal under the federal framework is that you cannot use bankruptcy proceedings and you have limited access to banking um, loans, for example and um, you also expose yourself to particular forfeiture. Is that when I, I, when I proposed some of this research to some universities, they were of course very interested, but at the same time, they were taking, they were locking up their shop objects once I started mentioning cannabis, because they've got hundreds of millions of dollars worth of federal research grants, and they don't wanna lose that as a result of um, this marijuana uh, problem. Now, with, one way to s- solve this, uh, <laughs> if there are such simple solutions, is that one way towards solving this is essentially let the there's there's pending legislation hasn't been passed yet is to let the states decide about what they want to do about marijuana and um, that will help in a lot of ways but that's merely a proposal right now. That's a great, great question. The question is, is that can, well, essentially the question is, can a state prohibit hemp? Yes, they can. Is that the fact that it's essentially the hemp bill said it's no longer illegal under the federal framework. States are free to do what they want. And so they've done that with hemp, and so the argument is, well, why don't they do that with marijuana? But yeah, a state can still decide that we don't want to grow hemp. However, they cannot interfere with interstate commerce. For example, let's say a, a neighboring state drives a truck through with, oh, I don't know, 16,000 pounds worth of hemp, <laughs> and um, they're not really supposed to interfere with that. That's a great question. A comments are questions? Yes? Okay, yes, great. Uh, I'd like to address that. Uh, what about the situation about... Um, would it put physicians at risk to recommend medical marijuana? Well, there's a variety of ways to address that. Number one is is that sometimes you may hear erroneously the ideas, uh, can physicians prescribe marijuana uh, in states that permit it? No, of course. And the reason why we don't use that word prescribe is because the the prescriber is actually a term of art which would not be consistent with the Controlled Substances Act because it would not be considered a legitimate prescription because it's a prohibited substance. So... The way they got around that um, is that it became a constitutional issue of free speech. So physicians, healthcare providers no longer, it's not that they prescribe, it's that they recommend. And um, so uh, that's how they um, get around that concern. But, but then the bigger question becomes, what about uh, um, exposing myself to risk um, if I recommend marijuana? This ties back to this problem with research, is that um, can you really recommend, like I said, I, I'm neither for or against marijuana, and I, I, would, uh, I think it has enormous potential, whether it be hemp or marijuana, um, but this is where we are right now, and I will say this rhetorically, is can you really recommend something that you really don't know that much about? and we don't know that much about because the research has been essentially forbidden. Um, So it's, uh, will that expose you to liability? I I don't know. Um, It's just that it goes back more to what you're comfortable with. And what does your state medical board say about this? Um, This has oftentimes been addressed, uh, for example, in California. Uh, A common question to a state medical board is, what do I do in a situation in which I think that my patient might benefit from what I know from the literature which exists out there, that they might want to try marijuana. And so I would refer you to the state medical board in that regard. Now, I will say this about Ohio, is that I've done an awful lot of work in opioids, and uh, I reached out to the Ohio State Medical Board and asked for clarification of their own prescribing guideline, and they took my call and they said they'd call me back, and, uh, called them again and said they'd call me back and they never write they never call so but um, I was not a resident of the state but if you're a uh, you know you you should hold your state medical boards accountable for uh, that's they regulate you and they need to help you and they need to address your concerns as well as your own state medical society could help you in that regard because it's an ongoing controversy all right well thank you very